Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. Oh my goodness, the podcast is now three years old. Oh, I think we all should celebrate. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. You know, we have 120 episodes plus on the I Am The Code podcast. So many countries, boys and girls listening to it. Thank you so much. I remember coming from Kakomo Refugee Camp in 2020, just when the COVID-19 hit. I had no experience at all. No idea how to do a podcast. But amazingly, we just get on and just do it. Please go out there on social media. Give us a thumbs up, you know, because we've been working really hard to edit the podcast, the graphics. Thank you, Laura and Mark, the entire team. I mean, the editing, the recording. Wow. So many people came on the podcast. I can't name them all, but you have to go out there and check season one, season two, all the way to season eight, because the team for season eight is who is fixing the world. It is really unbelievable. And I think I want to share something with you before I even get into who is my guest this week and the whole celebration of our third year on the I Am The Code podcast. I have been watching and listening to so many podcasts, so many videos, and people who are teaching me so much so I can be better for you. I learned a quote this week from Gandhi. It says, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. This has really caught me in so many challenging moments. We design our destiny. And my destiny is to make sure that young women and girls all across the world are learning how to code by the year 2030. I am so fired up, so amazed by the work we are doing behind the scenes. It's tough, it's challenging, but we are working really hard towards a mission, a goal, and a vision. So thank you. Thank you so much for everything you do for I Am The Code. Like I said, each time you support I Am The Code, you are elevating young women and girls globally. That's why this week I invited my wonderful friend, my guest, Bushan Shetty. He came on the podcast before. If you haven't heard about his podcast, please go out there and check him out. He is a wonderful man working so well. He's doing amazing stuff. You can go on his Twitter and check him out, Bushan Shetty. He works for PwC as a consultant, but he's also taking care of people, the well-being, the mental health. He writes about global issues, you know, how do we collaborate? How do we build the communities? What do we need to do as a community, as a, you know, global citizens to make a difference? I just thought that I'll invite him again to come and share his ideas and really probably tell us a little bit more about if he has any ideas on who is fixing the world. How do we fix the world in a world of consultancy, in the world of business, in the world of philanthropy? What do we need to do? If you are a young person right now growing up across the world, how can you fix the world? What are the steps you need to take to go out there and make a difference? And you know what I was saying the other day? No step is small. You can actually go and start fixing the world now by taking small action on climate change issues, on gender equality, on peace and justice, on sustainable development goals. They are the blueprint for humanity. 
the way to fix the world is taking something very small. But go out there, take action. Don't take people, action. I believe the people who are fixing the world are the people who are accountable, responsible, and also take action. I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Bushan Shetty, my dear friend from New York. Enjoy the conversation. I will see you on the other side. Season eight of the I Am The God podcast continues. And you know what? I've got my dear friend Bushan Shetty. He's actually back. I really like talking to him about things that you know you may not hear somewhere else. But I just thought that he can come to help us celebrate. This is our third year at I Am The God. We're having the podcast. So many young boys and girls are listening to it. So we're very honored. Let me just check if he's online. Bushan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Lady Mariam. Great to be with you again. Have you done your running this morning? Yes, I did. Five miles. Thank you very much. That's why I'm smiling. Always, always. You know what? I just wanted to say thank you again for coming on the podcast and supporting us. You know, I love spending time with you. You have so many wonderful, brilliant ideas. Let me just ask you, how are you doing? How have you been since the last podcast? Um, Great. I think the last time we spoke was a couple of years ago on the podcast. I've had the pleasure of seeing you a couple of times briefly when you've been in New York. I've been back traveling. I've been to Asia for for work and for, for pleasure. I've been back to Europe. And that's just been so great to get out there and see clients, see friends, see family, see real people, civil society around the world. Things continue to be challenging, but at least we're not being challenged with a pandemic and discussions of vaccines. There's other issues that we're worried about economically and geopolitically and obviously climate. But it's good that we're back out and about and traveling again, which you and I as global citizens obviously love and we see as so important in our personal and our professional lives. We have so much to talk about. And, you know, again, we are celebrating our third year of the I Am The Code podcast. And you were one of our wonderful, wonderful guests. People love the podcast. The girls in Kakuma Refugee Camp listen to it. So I just thought that we'll have you back. One of the things that I've been thinking quite a lot recently is what do we need to do now to make some changes? We are getting a bit comfortable now. COVID-19 has passed. Everybody's back in their businesses, traveling, you know, doing their own thing. But the issues are here you know, still, I thought we've learned something during COVID. I thought we were going to be a little bit better at changing the world, at making a difference. But I feel that we are going back into our own comfort zone. Do you have any ideas? Do you feel that? Or do you feel people are trying to make a difference? I think there's a couple of extremes. I think I've been really delighted to see how many younger people throughout COVID been incredibly well connected to each other globally, tried to really push for changes in workplaces, changes in social issues, changes in civil rights, changes around the world. We've been inspired by what we've seen in terms of the bravery of the women in Iran, the bravery of the people in Ukraine, the bravery of people to march against social issues here in the US. So that's been great. But to your point, I'm really worried about we don't have enough connected global solutions. If you think about China and the US potentially decoupling, that's a big issue geopolitical issues we see, not just Ukraine and Russia, but we see geopolitical hotspots around the world. Even within countries, we see a lack of grace and divisiveness and polarization. So um, yes, I'm hopeful for some of the younger people and some of the brave women and, and men that we that we talk about, but really worried that if we can't get multilateral, connected global solutions, whether it's around inequality, poverty, climate, just basic access to water, to jobs, to education, as we've talked about in the past. Each time I go back to Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya, I get very concerned. I'm like, who is doing something for these people, right? We just signed a, a big partnership with UNHR. I'm getting concerned. You know, the team of season eight is who is fixing the world. 
in your own opinion, in your own humble opinion, do you think people are fixing the world? I think there's some really good intended philanthropists. So, you know, the wife of a former tech CEO been giving out lots of money um, on a nose kind of strings basis. We see some good foundations around the world that have been set up by kind of former world leaders and former business leaders. But we also see a lack of grace on the on the side of other other companies and other world leaders and other other people playing, say, the tech sector. Um, our discourse on social media is not great. And a lot of that comes around to leadership. So I think we've got to go where the energy is. We've got to say whether it's philanthropists, whether it's people on the ground, um, you know, who's really fixing the world? Caregivers and teachers. And we don't we don't show enough respect as business people to caregivers and give them accommodations around everything from flexible work and policies. And again, some companies are leaning into it, but the majority of businesses could all do a lot more there to get more caregivers in the workforce. And teachers, especially public school teachers around the world, they've had to turn heroics during the pandemic to kind of keep our children educated and learn. And they have to do it in, ter- in difficult working conditions in terms of pay and respect. And and the more that we can look at some of those humble heroes who are changing the world, whether it be teachers, caregivers, the people performing essential work, I think that's that also kind of gives me hope for the future. But the real challenge is the rising inequality and the, the lack of kind of respect and civics around kind of different members of society that we're seeing right now. The reason why I actually chose the team who is fixing the world is when I spent time at Davos, I had to make a video. We have thousands of people who are suffering today with mental health issues. You know, my Kakuma girls are not eating. They have one meal a day. The issues are so immense. If someone listening right now want to go and make a difference, you know, in consultancy or in their own ways, fixing the world also can be taking care of yourself and taking care of your family. What advice would you have for a young person listening to you right now who wants to go and fix the world? So the first thing that they need to do is kind of engage on the issues, the issues that are really important to them. So whether it's food security, whether it's the dignity of being able to exercise in a safe way, whether you're kind of male or female, whatever your age is, access to basic literacy and education, being really clear on the issues that you want to focus on. Climate could be one, but it could be something closer to home, such as clean water. Be really knowledgeable about the issues and then find a way to get your voice out there whether that's talking to big business, whether that's using digital platforms, whether it's using platforms like we're on today. But it's it's all about getting to the issues and getting your voice heard because there are a bunch of global institutions like the World Economic Forum and like the G20 that do want to hear from civil society and they do want to hear from younger people and they've set up forums where they're able to do that. And I just, I think that we don't reflect enough of the voice of civil society in some of the big global solutions that we're all shaping for the world. COP28 is coming very soon. And do you think the the voice of the youth must be included at least? Because these people are fixing the world in their own way, right? It has to be. And, th- and those people are going to be the ones that have the future jobs. If we want more green jobs, if we want to rebuild infrastructure in Africa, in India, in the US, we're going to need younger people. We're going to need young people to do all kinds of jobs there, trade jobs, funding that, um, using technology, engineering, Um, So they absolutely have to engage on these issues. But what we also have to do, Lady Mariam, is depoliticize them. We've spent more time probably talking about the politics of climate change than actually addressing it as business and society. So again, for the younger people here, it's like, it's get out there, understand the issues, but try and be data driven and really kind of follow your purpose around what you believe in. And 
try and steer away from factions and the divisiveness and bring other people along who have different views and engage with them. We all don't have to agree on everything, but we all have to coexist in our communities and our societies and globally. So reach out to other people, even if they have different views on these topics and engage them somehow in the discussion and the solution creation. You know, one of the things I liked about our first podcast was your own personal leadership, you know, how you take your own accountability, you know, being healthy and taking care of family and everything. But right now we have so many people who are struggling post-COVID-19, their mental health and, and, you know, becoming consultants. And I was reading the other day an article by Mariana Mazzucato, and she was saying that consultants are infantilizing government and she doesn't want people to do that anymore. But we have young boys and girls right now graduating, finishing their education. What do we need to do? Leadership, like I mentioned, you know, but at the same time being accountable, going working for big companies. Is that what we need right now or do we need to do something else? Mariana's work is tremendous and, and the great work she does around kind of economic mobility and inequalities is great. I think the broader picture is whether you're in a privileged position in business, whether that's in consulting, in finance, in tech, whatever you've got to build, you've got to kind of do it with really thinking about all the stakeholders and thinking about what solution are you providing and is it going to be sustainable? So if you're making a business more efficient, but there's going to be a huge headcount loss. What are you doing as a consulting firm or a business in advising and executing kind of that plan with dignity? How are you enabling people to reskill as part of severance? What are you doing to help them find new jobs in, in your community? This wasn't a pandemic issue. This issue has been as old as I've been working in business, where if you're going to have to make difficult business decisions, you do that with a sense of humanity and dignity and respect for your employees are also stakeholders in your community. For some, they could even be customers in your business. So I think that's the lesson that we all need to learn. And if you think about concepts like trust and sustainability for, for business, you won't go far wrong in terms of, of saying, how do we come up with solutions that are, that are helpful? Um, there's always going to be um, examples of businesses that have gone awry and actually eroded trust through some of their solutions. We read about it every day. But the more that I can kind of advise anyone who's entering business, anyone who's working in business, wants to work in business, is to always say, let's not come up with a short-term solution, whether it's launching a product that has huge disinformation or externalities, or whether it's thinking about the quality of a product that we're producing that isn't going to be safe and fit for purpose, or advice which is actually going to be are going to have a lot of consequences. Think about all of what you're creating as a business person or as somebody who wants to work in business and think about, is this actually going to build trust? Is it going to be a sustainable solution? Is it really going to meet the needs of the stakeholders over the long run? And you won't go far wrong. Just looking at short-term profitability or short-term goals is really what gets businesses in a lot of trouble and individuals who kind of drive those decisions are in a lot of trouble. And we've seen that um, very recently. We've seen that in the financial markets. We see that in the financial crisis. And, and that's hopefully some lessons that we'll, we'll learn going forward. Let me go back to the community building. You know, you always talk about globalization, working together, collaborating, but you also talk about the well-being of people, right? When we are thinking in, in fixing the world, what do we need to do now in collaborating more, working together, listening to each other, participating? You know, data participation is getting wider and wider and wider. Now, the, you know, the rise of ChatGPT and AI and all of this. What do we need to do to build the communities? Because I really believe communities are becoming a currency now. Is there anything else do you think we need to do more to work together and collaborate? 
They are. And technology is brilliant in that we can build global communities. We can speak today from the UK and, and New York and have this discussion that's going to go globally later this week. But communities, and we've kind of forgotten this through COVID, is all about hyper-localization. We engage with communities that we go to school with, that we see in the grocery store, that we take the public transport with, that we congregate with in a you know religious institution, that we go watch sports games with. We need to have empathy for people in our community. And this is why I'm a big believer of people going out to things like the office, you know, a few days a week where, where they can, not, not five days if they don't have to. But any time that you can actually just be around other people, especially people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different diverse characteristics and engage with them, you build empathy, you build relationships, you reduce divisiveness, you understand other people. And that's what we need to do. We've spent a lot of time around the world in lockdowns. We spend a lot of time in our own socioeconomic echo chambers or where we basically hang out with people who are similar to us. And it's important, especially where there are vibrant urban communities that have diversity, that we need to get back out and be comfortable and engage with lots and lots of different people. And back to the start of this conversation, we need to engage people that disagree with us, that look different to us. And that's not woke, that's just being human. And so I'm, I'm really hopeful that um, we can see, especially in urban centers, densely populated areas, that we can see communities coming back together um, in ways that they have done in the past. You know, communities are building things in their own ways. You know, I think the communities are fixing their own issues. If you look at what's happening right now in the U.S., you know, with the abortion pills and all of this, now people are gathering to make a difference. You know, what advice would you have to business leaders right now listening to this podcast or young boys and girls across the world who want to build their own communities? They want to stay together. I love what you said about trust. You know, but trust is also lacking right now because sometimes we believe in big leaders and they do something totally different. Is there anything else, you know, besides trust that we need to focus on? I think accountability is one of them, don't you think? Yeah, the account, the accountability is um, definitely one of them in terms of what is the role of business in a community to create good health outcomes, to create good education for its workers, for its kind of physical and emotional well-being of its workers. Both of those are not just the right thing to do. They actually drive good business results. So kind of it, it meets business and societal and workforce needs. But the other thing that businesses need to do is just start engaging with civil society. So not just their workforce, but their consumers and people that are kind of going to be coming into the workforce um, in the future. The more that we can engage and understand what's on the mind of people we do an annual survey that we call Hopes and Fears. Last year, that survey told us of 52,000 global workers that the biggest cohort that were worried about the fear of losing their job to technology was Gen Z, so 18 to 25. So young people are concerned about the pace of change. There's increased anxiety. I've started teaching a class at NYU Stern since we met. You know, I, I see it when I talk to faculty that, you know, young people are, are concerned. So what we need to do is, is to kind of get the voices in as business people, as, as community leaders, get the voices in, understand the needs and not dismiss them as quiet quitters or young people who didn't want to work as hard as us, but really engage and understand what is causing angst. What is causing um, economic kind of concerns? What What's the concern about kind of the pace of technology or the lack of kind of civility in some of our discourse and our conversation and the lack of respect and tolerance? So 
engaging lots of people. I've mentioned young people, but it could be retirees, it could be caregivers, it could be other marginalized communities, um, it could be majority communities who who feel left behind and they're not getting the attention. Engaging those people, understanding kind of the, what the needs are and how businesses can work with policymakers very locally to address those um, would be a good start. Can you just say that one more time for boys and girls? Yes. So I'm a I'm a consultant in our strategy team. So I teach a um, an entry level class for MBA students on um, strategy consulting. So how to understand the business problem, how to storyboard it, how to come up with a solution, how you gather data, how you engage with your client. The, the teams get real business problems from real clients in case studies, and we help them through that over the course of three to four months. And I love it because it's I love working with the young people. I love kind of giving back. It's it's in my it's in my backyard. It's in New York, so it's a very short commute. It's three hours on a Monday, um, and it's and it's great just to tap into kind of what. 20-somethings are really thinking about who I don't interact with every day. Before we finish the podcast, I just want you to tell the boys and girls where they can find you because your tutor is quite impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Social media kind of sometimes gets a bit of a bad reputation because it's divisiveness. And I'm on all the social platforms and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. And, and what I try and do there is try and personalize it. And I guess I talk about running, I talk about globalization, I talk about football, but also the business things that are important to me around globalization and around how you get sustainable economic growth and how we shouldn't fear technology, but embrace it in the right way. And then obviously all of the importance of leadership and, and purpose and trust. I try and bring that through articles I write, through work that I do with you, Lady Miriam, like at the World Economic Forum, or other work that I do writing policy briefs. So I, I try and keep current. I, I follow the news um, kind of voraciously and, and, and like to share that. But um, yes, I, I love to share my opinions. I've just turned 50. I think that when you come with a certain age, and I've been working for you know over 25 years, I think you have a big responsibility to kind of share perspectives in a respectful way and give back to to any to the next generation but any generation that's willing to listen and i really enjoy the the interactions i have on social media with lots of people and and lots of people get to know me in different ways and fortunately like yourself i meet them in real life as well Absolutely. I mean, the last question I wanted to ask you, you know, you just touched in what you just said. You know, everyone is talking about the ESGs at the moment, you know, and I, I get young people asking me all the time about the ESGs. You know, we really focus on environmental issues, governance issues, but not many people are talking about the social part of the ESGs. Do you have any advice on you know, how we can invest more you know, on social impact, you know, social goods, doing good for the world? It is so important while we're fixing the world to also do good, Bushan. We must start doing good and we need to look into our hearts, into our minds like you are doing, you know, you are sharing knowledge, you are transferring your knowledge, right? So what do we need to do more on the S of the ESGs, right? I think as a society, we just need to be open and embrace all aspects of equality or kind of equity. And so that means the basic rights of everyone to an education, the basic rights of everyone to, you know, basic healthcare, um, access to, you know, good basic nutrition. Like it's devastating that what the stories that you tell me in the refugee camp where kind of there's there's a lack of food. So we we need to do that. I also think that it's really incumbent on younger people to not dismiss the climate agenda and really understand how does climate impact a business or my country? Like if we need to decarbonize a supply chain in automotive, if we need to really understand how we pivot from um, fuel, fossil fuel intensive energies to alternative energy sources, that's stuff that we need to learn. 
We need to learn that in school. We need to learn that in business. We need to relearn that in business, et cetera. And so really understanding and building some acumen around climate and the environment and how it impacts different businesses is a good no regret skill for many young people today. You and I can talk until tomorrow, but I know it's a very early morning there for you in New York. And I want to thank you again for coming in. And I really hope that these boys and girls are listening to you and, and they can go and take action. I want to thank you personally before we finish this podcast for your leadership, your consistency, and the fact that you are helping government and businesses and young people to really go out there and change them all. So thank you on behalf of I Am Recorder and everyone. Thank you so much and welcome season eight, Who's Fixing the World. Thank you, Lady Mary. I mean, congratulations to you and thank you for everything you're doing. Here we go. You just heard it from the man. If you want to go out there and fix the world, you can. You can fix the world. You can come with me to Kakumo Refugee Camp in Kenya. You can make some donations. You can think about a project. Something you can do that make you happy. Something you can do to fix the world. It is so possible that we make a difference in this world today. The new generation are the people who will be fixing the world, in my opinion. We are trying our best. But you guys, young people listening to this podcast, will be, you know, fixing the world. You know what? One of the things I've learned, I just shared my quote with you earlier, but I also learned to rise up. When things are difficult, when things are challenging, don't dwell into it. Don't sit down and being the victim, dwelling in issues. When people hurt you, they do something bad, malicious, trying to give you a hard time, showing you some narcissistic attitudes, don't care about you, please move on. Do not sit down and dwell into it. The world needs you right now. Remember to listen to the I Am The Code podcast. Please share that with your friends. We are a very small team at I Am The Code, totally dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content for people who want to do better and be better. You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I am your host. Go out there and fix the world. You can make a small difference. I really know you can. Don't let anyone on this earth to say you can't do it. You can do it. You are the light. You can go and make a difference. Small steps. Have a lovely Friday and I will see you very soon. And remember, while you're there, please donate to the I Am The Code Foundation. Support our girls. They need so many, many things. We count on you to go out there and make a difference. Don't give up. Go out there and fix the world. Thank you and have a lovely Friday and goodbye.